listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. I know if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard the story of Jesus' birth. You've probably read it a million times. You've probably heard it a million times. We've heard it our whole lives in the church. I mean, I, I don't remember not being in church. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm 44 years old. I got saved at five. I, I think, I mean, I think I was in church services even when I was a fetus. You know what I'm saying? Like, just in the womb, just like, you know, and um, I was born under the pew. I, you know, my mom said not on the pew. And that was in Waco, Texas, so that explains a lot. You know what I'm saying? So, but, uh. You know, I've, I've never not known being in church. And so these stories, we hear these stories a lot. But can I tell you something beautiful about Jesus, though, and about the Word of God? The Bible talks about the Word being alive. And you can read a verse three years ago, and it says something to you. You read a verse today, and it's the same verse, and it says something different. And how does that happen like that? i tell you how, because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach us to remember all that Jesus said. And if the Word of God is Jesus himself active and alive in our hearts, and we have the Holy Spirit helping us remember what he said and how he taught, that means that whatever situation you're in, you have two-thirds of the Godhead working to make sure that you get a word that changes you. So whenever you're reading the Bible, don't look at it as just a mundane task that you got to check off. This is God Almighty unpacking His Word to you in that moment. This is one of the reasons why our D groups, are, we're so excited about D groups starting at the beginning of the year. This is an opportunity for you to be discipled. How are we going to do that? Bible engagement. Okay, SOAP is something that we use for that. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've got seven years of Bible college. I know the Word, man. I, I, I've been in it my whole life. But God, every single week, shows me something new when I do my soap. I can start my soap doing, you know, thinking one thought, and by the time I get to the end of the observation, God has opened my eyes to something that I've never seen before. This is what happens when you engage the Word of God. And so as we read through the story of Jesus' birth today, don't tune it out just because you've heard it a bunch of times before. Because when I read this, there were some things that God began to show me that I hadn't seen before. Now, you might, uh, you, you understand that, that the birth is a part of God's story of redemption of mankind. If you look at the overarching theme of the Bible, it's that God loved, so God gave, so that you could be restored. That's the overarching theme of the entire Word of God. And you might think that Jesus' birth is just the start of that story. A lot of people think that, well, you, you can't have Jesus down on the cross without Jesus being born. So that might be a good place to start. It had, he had to be born for the process to begin, correct? Eh, so when did the story begin? Was it when the people cried out for deliverance from captivity during the times of the minor prophets in Babylon, in Syria, and all those? Was it, was it when they wanted a king in, in the book of 1 Samuel? Was it, was it when they cried out for deliverance in Egypt? Perhaps it was when Abraham laid Isaac on the altar to sacrifice him. It's a story so reminiscent of the father laying Jesus down on that altar too, isn't it? It's hard to palate as a parent sacrificing your child. So I've said it before, I'll say it again. If I were God, y'all would be going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not going to put my kid on the altar. But that's what Jesus was willing to do. That's what God the Father was willing to do for you. I think we have to go further than Egypt, though. Further than Moses, further than Abraham. Perhaps, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And the Lord God made clothing from, an animal, from animal skins and, uh, for Adam and his wife. Why is this 
Why is this a big deal? Here's why. It was the first time blood was spilled to cover the sins of mankind. Kind of reminiscent of another story we talk about at Easter. But that's, that's still not far enough. We've got to go back further than that. We have to go back before the beginning of the world. Look at what Revelation 13, 8 says. All who dwell on the earth worship him, that's the dragon, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from when? The foundation of the world. Paul buttresses this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Before the foundation. If you really want to identify the beginning of God's plan to save you, it didn't happen before you were born. It happened before the universe was born. God's plan of grace was not plan B. It was plan A. Yeah, before Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Yeah, yeah, before you did the sin that caused you to fall short of the glory of God. Come on, you have to, you have to really think about that for just a second and realize that before God ever said, let there be light, he already had a plan of salvation worked out because he knew we would fall. He knew we would fail. And so it asks a question then, why would he even create us to begin with if he knew that he was going to have to endure the, the, the cross and, and sin? And not just the pain and suffering, but the separation from his father. Jesus knew he was going to have to do that. Why even do it in the first place? I might ask you parents the same question of why even have a kid in the first place? I'll tell you why. Because what God wants more than anything is sons and daughters. That's what he wants. That's why you had a kid. It's because you wanted a child. And, and, and you knew you might have struggles. You knew it might be difficult. Y'all, raising kids is hard, okay? We were talking about it the other night at Jeremy's house. Like, kids, are, golly, man. Like, and, and like, especially if they're born with the same attitude you had when you were a little kid, but you've worked it out already, you know what I mean? But like, and so you're like, you're looking at yourself and like, you little me, stop saying that. Like, stop. I'll never forget the first time my mom and dad kept, um, kept our kids all together. And I got back to pick them up and my dad walked up to me, started laughing. I said, what? He says, boy, you're getting just what you deserve. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Listen to me, church. God's grace has always been his plan. And the person he wanted to spend it on was you. If you need anything this Christmas to help you understand how much God loves you, it's that before he created the earth, before he created you, what he did was create a plan to fix what you were going to mess up. He created an opportunity for grace because he knew you would need it and he wanted to pour his grace, his love, and his mercy on you. So whenever you sin, even if it's that sin you've done a million times and you come to the throne and you're just like, you're crawling, you're begging like Mephibosheth, who, I'm a dog, who should, why should you pour out your grace on me? Remember that God wants to give you grace. He thought about it before he ever said, let there be light. As I look back on the story of Jesus' birth, I saw grace like I hadn't seen it before. So let's look at this story uh, together and let's start with Mary. Luke 1, 26-37. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent out 
from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I'm going to tell you something right now. If I'm laying in my bed and all of a sudden an angel appears. Did I ever tell you all one time I was walking through New Covenant Church? It was like 11 o'clock at night. Sanctuary was real big, hard to see stuff. I walked in two steps and I stopped and I just said, Jesus, if you're going to appear to me, it better not be right now. Okay, because like anybody else like dark? I don't, okay, just me. I promise you it will not be written to me. Jason was greatly troubled at the saying. I mean, wah! Like, that would have been going crazy. Gabriel's just standing there like, wait for me to wake up. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, sorry. Squirrel. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, will give uh, will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Don't you sometimes wish that when God told you something, he would say to you, Hey, listen, nothing's going to be impossible. Just trust me. Can I tell you something? When you allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to this verse and you go dig into this verse, God is telling you that. That's the beauty of diving into the Word of God. Some things I noticed about grace while reading the story of Jesus' birth. Number one, Jesus was conceived in grace. Verse 28 says, Greetings, O favored one. Does anybody know what grace is defined as in the Bible? It's unmerited favor. This is favor you don't deserve. It's not favor you can earn with your doing. Now, much can be presumed about Mary. I mean, Catholics have definitely presumed a lot about Mary. Okay, maybe her piety, maybe her purity, her heart for God. But the Bible doesn't mention any of these things. None of this is mentioned in the text. These are conclusions that we have to draw based on the fact that God chose her. But you see, even in our own humanity, what we're doing is we're putting doing over being. God, God didn't do with Mary because of her doing. It was because she was favored. He just chose to pour out his mercy on her. God's choice of Mary was not because of what she'd done. It was grace, favor she didn't deserve. So listen to me. The story of Jesus didn't start with merit. It started with mercy. That should be a relief to us. I mean, my goodness, do you ever mess up? Like, I know I do. Our story with Jesus starts with mercy, not with merit. So any of you that are here right now and you're thinking, I want to be close to Jesus, but I've done all this stuff. Guess what, church? It doesn't start with your doing. It starts with his being. He chose to give you mercy and grace that you didn't deserve. I got to earn it. No, that's the beauty of grace. The definition of it is that you don't have to earn it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of work so that no one can boast. It's all about his grace. God poured out his grace on Mary. And we often think this was just for a birthing. 
moms, can you imagine being tasked with raising the son of God? I mean, every time he fell down playing, you're like, oh, God, is this the infection that's going to kill it? Like, you know, you just would probably go nuts. Every bump, every bruise, you'd be anxious. But, but y'all, it got worse because while we can see that the gospel of Luke starts off joyful and happy and miraculous with the conception and birth of Jesus, Mary had to endure the worst thing a mother could endure. For instance, seeing her son crucified under a Roman crucifixion on the cross. Some of you have lost children. It's heartbreaking. But can you imagine watching your son being beaten to a pulp where you couldn't even recognize him? And then them to nail him on the cross, spitting on him, mocking him. And all he did his whole life was just help people. Moms, could you pallet that? Could you endure that? Then we read verses like 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Where the Bible says, where Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, we take this internally to deal with the issues that we're facing, and, and that's good. But consider Mary. Okay, consider her for just a moment. The grace that got Jesus into the world was the same grace that sustained her through the pain of Jesus' sacrifice. If you want to know how deep God's grace is, it's enough to birth something through you, but it's enough to get you through the worst of it, too. It's enough to get you to the other side. Because see, there was a moment where Mary got to see Jesus resurrected and alive and King of kings and Lord of lords ascending to the Father. She had accomplished her purpose in that moment. She'd done everything God asked her to do. And she probably made mistakes. There was at least one mistake she made in, in when he, Jesus was 12. You leave your kid at the, at the, at the, 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 the temple? Like, what you doing, Mary? Like, so there were mistakes. But the same grace that got Jesus into the world was the same grace that Mary used to be able to endure the pain of seeing her son crucified. How would you do, parents? What would you do, parents, to keep your kids from suffering? Anything? Would you step in front of a bullet? Anything? Give and give and give? How far would you go? You know, sometimes... We forget in the midst of the majesty of the Bible that Mary was also just a mother, a human being. And you know what? When the, when the angel came, she was a teenager. Most scholars believe she was between 14 and 16 years old. Can you imagine? Mary was asked to do a huge job, but she didn't get the job because of her perfection. It was His grace. Ephesians 1, 3, and 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. You know, the last phrase there in Greek could be translated, out of the riches of the Father's grace, God has graced you. Here the, great, the word we see is, is charis, and the verb, that's the noun, and the verb is charitu. It's, it's these Greek words. It's the same ones that the angel used when he spoke to Mary at the beginning when he said, you are highly favored. He says, Mary, you're highly favored. So what does that mean for us, church? It, it means so are you. Why? Because Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 tells us so. You may have not been conceived in grace. You may not have had a graceful upbringing. 
that out of the riches of God's grace, God has graced you through the person of Jesus Christ. It isn't about your doing. His grace is enough. Who needs to hear that today? Of course you're not enough. You're not. The devil's been lying to me, telling me you're not enough. That's actually the one thing he's probably said that's true. Okay? But thank God that I don't have to be enough. He's enough. And if he's enough, I'm enough. And if I need grace, I go to Jesus for it. And if I need mercy, I go to Jesus for it. If I need help, I go to Jesus for it. Why? Because he bled and died. And it didn't start with a manger. It started with before, let there be light. Grace on grace. So what does this mean for you? It means his grace is enough for you. It means it's enough for what you had to deal with yesterday. It's enough for what you're going through today. It's enough for what you're going to deal with tomorrow. That's part of why Jesus says, hey, don't stress about tomorrow. Tomorrow got his own issues. We'll deal with them tomorrow. Why? Because there's a grace for right now for you. There's a grace waiting for you tomorrow. Mary's story is evidence that in the best of times or in the worst of times, his grace is enough. Jesus was conceived in grace. Let's read Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 24. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her, divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Jesus was conceived in grace, but number two, Jesus was born into grace. We talked about how a mom might have felt about Jesus' life and death, but what about you, fellas? Let me talk to the boys for just a second. Imagine this. You're in Nazareth. It's the first century. They estimate there were about 400 to 500 residents in that whole town. You ever try to find a wife and four to 500 people? Praise Jesus, right? Finally, though, you find a girl you want to marry. She's from a hardworking family and not your own, which is good. <laughs> Where'd you meet her? Family reunion. Uh, she's of a priestly lineage. Most scholars believe that she knew the Torah because her connection with Zechariah a priest of the sons of Aaron and a direct descendant of Aaron and also uh, the husband of Elizabeth, her cousin. In the midst of your betrothal, she tells you that she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that cup of coffee? Listen, Joseph, I got something to tell you. We're moving up the wedding date? No, I'm pregnant. FYI, that had never happened before. Unless you followed Greek and Roman mythology. So, at the worst... She's a liar and a cheat. And at the close second worst, she's a pagan. Even though you have the right to stone her. 
you choose to put her away quietly so as not to ruin her life, even though you're heartbroken. Come on, boys. Let's stop right here, though. An angel explains everything, leading Joseph to obey what he was told. But we cannot look, uh, overlook the evidence at this point that Jesus was born into grace. Why? When did Joseph decide to put Mary away quietly? Let's go back to the text, verses 19 and 20. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. It was before the angel appeared, not after. I feel deep in my spirit right now. Some of you need to hear this. You've never had one person give you grace. You've never had somebody give you the benefit of the doubt. They've always accused you. They've always pointed fingers at you. They've always, they've always accused you before the evidence even came out of anything. You've never felt like you've received grace. I'm here to tell you, there's one person that's going to give you grace, and that's Jesus Christ. And so what I'm inviting you to do, church, is do exactly what Joseph did in that moment. Rather than believing the lie, how about you believe his truth? How about you receive his grace? Why is this such a big deal? Because you need to see that Joseph's heart towards Mary is the same that the father's heart is towards you. God isn't after blood. He delights in mercy. Oh, preacher, that's just preacher talk. Micah chapter 7. Let's get the word on it. Verses 18 through 20. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which, with which you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Here, let me give you a little spiritual life hack. Stop trying to overcome your sin. God does that for us. If we seek him first, everything else that we need will follow along. I've been trying to beat this sin my whole life. I've been trying to stop doing this my whole life. Start trying to chase Jesus as hard as you're trying to overcome your sin and watch what God will do. I've been drinking my whole life. I can't put it down. Chase after Jesus. I've been looking at stuff on the internet. I shouldn't look. Chase after Jesus. It says right here, he subdues our iniquities. How many of you in here would love to have the Holy Spirit subdue your iniquities for you? Yeah, give me that. Jesus could have been born into the brokenness of an abandoned single mother in the chaos of a scandal in a small town. Y'all know people talk in a small town, don't you? Well, you'd be at Walmart and, did you see what Cynthia did? Like, no. <laughs> can you just get your groceries and go home? Like, but grace, but mercy, grace and mercy saved the day. And it didn't even take an angel to do it. Grace and mercy were flowing in Joseph's heart for Mary. And the result was that their home was filled with grace and mercy for the rival of the king of kings. You may have been born into chaos of brokenness, but look at what God's grace can do. Grace and mercy unlock the door to love in Joseph's heart. And if grace and mercy can do that in a man, what do you think it does with our Heavenly Father? I wish that we could stop thinking that Jesus is Thor trying to hit us with a lightning bolt. 
and start seeing him for who he is. Yes, he is God Almighty. Yes, he is powerful and mighty. Yes, we need to fear him. The fear of the Lord needs to be in us. But we can't forget he's a loving father that delights in mercy. If you're having trouble showing grace and mercy, take a moment and ask God to give you a heart like Joseph's, who, like his father in heaven, delights in mercy. I realize you might have been born into less than a graceful situation in your life. You probably didn't have a lot of mercy maybe growing up. But what Joseph's story teaches us is that if we allow grace and mercy to thrive in our hearts where vengeance and justice want to grow, we can literally change everything. You may have been born in a graceless and merciless household. But yours can be full of grace and yours can be full of mercy. But listen to me, church. You have to receive it first. You can't give what you don't have. Jesus was conceived in grace. He was born in grace. Let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 40, and then verse 52. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Number three is that Jesus lived in grace. He lived in it. These verses are important, not just so that you know Jesus grew in wisdom and strength, but that the theme of grace, that unmerited favor, was all over his life. How could he so effectively be graceful to other people? Because it was already in him. It was already in him from his heavenly father. He was conceived in it. He was born in it. He lived in it. He, in adulthood, showed grace at every turn. As he fulfilled God's purpose for his life. Grace with Peter, the impetuous fisherman. Come on, did y'all need some grace with Peter? Come on, man. Can you imagine having Peter on your team? <gasps> I'm not looking at anybody on my team right now. I'm just going to look up at this. Can you imagine? You are Christ, the Son of God. Get behind me, Satan. Like, What about with Mary Magdalene, who was filled with evil spirits? What about Matthew, the shameful tax agent? What about with the adulterous woman at his feet? You know what I find interesting about that moment that's just hit me right now? Boy, this is powerful. Jesus showed her the same grace that Joseph showed Mary. Wow. How could he do that? Because he, he'd known about it already. Don't you think that Joseph told him the story? Jesus, I got a whopper for you. This woman says the Holy Spirit made her pregnant. Damn, like really? What about with the off-limits Gentiles like the centurion and the woman who begged for the crumbs from the children's table? What about with the unfaithful Samaritan woman at the well? who, by the way, became an evangelist. Women, you have just as much right in ministry as men do. What about with people who are like sheep without a shepherd who would too soon scream crucify at him? What about with Peter again as he betrayed Jesus? (laughs) It's like, come on, we're back back to Peter. Hey, Captain Foot and Mouth. I relate. And let's not forget us. 
He showed grace and mercy to you and me. John 1, 14 and 16. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. From where? From his fullness. Where did he get his fullness from? The father. Why do we harp on you reading your Bible and praying so much? Well, because you've got to get your stars or you're not going to get your t-shirt at the end of the month. No. <laughs> T-shirts. It's because if you're full of his grace and mercy and truth, when you're going about your business at Walmart or at your office or at the oil field or driving around and not getting ticked off at people who cut you off. I'm still working on that one, Jesus. I still need to be filled with that one. It's so you have something graceful to give them. That's why. How was he able to so easily live out that grace, to do it so well? It, it wasn't his godhood, y'all. A lot of times people say, well, Jesus was God. That, well, but, but the Bible says through the Holy Spirit, we have the same. Jesus said, more than what I did, you're going to do. So we can't play the godhood card like... We, we're not gods, but we have that same power that raised Christ from the dead living in us. Okay? In receiving grace, he was able to give grace. So, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you're having a hard time giving grace, maybe you should do a better job of receiving it. Love you. I really do. Merry Christmas. Y'all have a great week. No, I'm kidding. Jesus was conceived in grace. He was born into grace. He lived in grace. Why? Number four, and this is the best part, so that we can receive his grace. This is where the plan from before the world was created comes to fruition. The beauty of the gospel is not simply sinners saved, but sons and daughters made. John 3.16, we love it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But we need to read 17 too, y'all. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Consider the people who were at the stable. Shelby made this point last week in just a beautiful way. Consider the people. Wise men, rich people, rich guys. These guys were rich. I mean, you can't be bringing, like, I understand some gold, but who got frankincense? You know what I'm saying? Like, myrrh. But also shepherds, poor people. It was across the spectrum. The wealthy wise men and the lowly shepherds. They were welcome at the stable. But consider who's welcome at the cross. Sinners and saints. The proud and the humble. The lost, the wandering, the orphan, you and me. We're all welcome there too. With all of us, God chooses favor over justice and mercy over vengeance and love over sin. I wrote this book in 2018 called Walk Around Grace. And I was experiencing some, what I, what, I wasn't clinically um, um, labeled this or diagnosed this, but what we call high-functioning depression. It's where you're depressed, but you still function as if everything's okay. So some of us who are really, really good at... Um, Faking can do this well, but 
um, the Lord told me to go away for three days by myself. Uh, and I was able to, to uh, we have a friend that had a cabin. So I went out to the lake at this cabin. And for three days, I just spent time with the Lord. And he talked to me about grace. And uh, grab one of these, read it. Um, it's, it's good. But let me just read you a little brief excerpt from it. It says this, grace, what an amazing concept, precious. It costs God everything, yet he gives it to us freely. It isn't just grace for saving or grace for painful situations. It's grace for our daily lives. Grace that helps us walk in God's strength and not try to do everything out of our weakness. It's grace when we need it. Grace to smooth the path, to prepare the way. Grace in trials, grace in circumstances. Grace that refines our motion so that we can be who God created us to be. Not sinners saved. Not the lost finding their way. But sons and daughters made. C.S. Lewis can probably say it better than me. He says this, the son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. Do you know that's what God is offering you? We stop short of God's beautiful message because we think it's just about sin. It's about sonship. It's about daughterhood. It's about family. It's about you who were far off from God being brought back to God. That's what he's offering. This is the grace we're talking about today. Jesus' life was conceived in grace. His, his, his life was lived in it. Became a reality in grace. And, and it's all for one reason. It's simple. So that you'll receive his grace. That's why. So, are you willing to receive his grace? It's that simple. Are you willing? Well, Jesus, I know you got hoops you want me to jump through. That's your invention. And if I can take it a step further, that's a lot of church's invention. Well, I'm going to need you to do X, Y, and Z. You know, Jesus isn't going to forgive you until you start tithing. <laughs> what? You're not saved unless you speak in tongues. What? Come on, man. Is that what the Bible teaches? All these hoops. Well, i got to stop drinking if I'm going to get with Jesus. How about you get with Jesus and just let him worry about that? If Jesus wanted you to fix yourself up before you came to him, guess what? He didn't never needed to die in the first place. This is one thing that separates Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion, you have to do it. Christianity is the only faith where God Almighty fixed what was broken. And so what's left for us? Work out my salvation. It's just work. Grace. You just have to receive it. Are you willing to let God's plan that he had from before he said, let there be light, work in your life? Because here's what's hilarious if you think about it. If you just put the two plans together, God, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I have this plan for how my life should be lived versus the plan that you created for me before you ever said, let there be light. I'm going to go with my plan. I think that's going to work better. Y'all, we can't even add. God knows physics. Go with his plan. Okay? Like seriously. Take his plan. Look, maybe sin has you bound. <coughs> that's possible. Maybe sin has you bound. You need his saving grace. Maybe life has you anxious. You need his calming grace. Maybe yesterday has you broken. You need his forgiving grace. 
Maybe tomorrow has you hopeless. You need his expectant grace. We need the grace to come to this earth. Jesus needed the grace to come to this earth and offer himself as a sacrifice. What makes us think that we don't need his grace to be everything he created us to be? At one point in that weekend, as the Lord and I were speaking about grace, um, I made a really dumb comment to him. And I said, God, I understand your grace better now for sure. But it costs you so much. I don't want you to waste it on me. Any of you feel like that today? Like you feel like life is beating you up so much. It's like, are you worth the grace that Jesus died for? What he said to me changed my life. He said, it's my grace. I'll do what I want to with it. And if I want to spend it on you, I'll spend it all. Here's my incomplete understanding that God's grace has an ending. His love doesn't end. And listen to me, church's grace doesn't either. So here is what the truth is. The Father is here offering grace for every situation through His Son, Jesus Christ. The question is this. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? So here's how you respond. Just let me take the guesswork out for you. You receive it. You receive it. Jesus, I receive your saving grace and confess you as Lord of my life. Is that all there is to it? Just say, if you believe it, you mean it, God means it. Jesus, I receive your grace for my sins and for my brokenness. Forgive me. The Bible says that if we're faithful to confess our sins, he's going to be faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. You mean all I have to do is tell him what I did? Have a repentant heart. Jesus, I receive your grace to live the life you called me to live. Did you know in 2 Peter 1, 3, the Bible tells us that by his divine power, he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. What do you think the divine power is? It's the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Remind you of everything Jesus said. What did Jesus say? My grace is sufficient. The very grace, the very unmerited favor Jesus that you were born into, conceived in, lived out. I receive it now in the name of Jesus. That's how you respond. So here's what I invite you to do. Will you just close your eyes for a second? The only reason I ever ask you to do this is so you can focus on Jesus and not the person to the right or to the left of you. This is a moment between you and him. Very clearly, God wants to pour his grace out on you. It's obvious. You cannot look at the scripture and see anything but that. So, now that you've heard this, and now that it's before you, it's going to be your responsibility to receive it or not. So here's what I want to do. Nobody's looking around right now. Maybe you're in this room right now, and you know that you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You might have even signed a little card at youth camp when you were 17, but you never really gave Jesus everything. And you know right now in this moment, I need God's grace. I need to be saved, like legitimately saved and not just because the air conditioner blew on the back of my neck and made the goosebumps go up. But a legitimate moment right now where you know you need Jesus. If that's you, nobody's looking. Just raise your hand right now. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Okay, so it's this simple. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. You don't have to yell it across the room, but just let air come out of your mouth. Confess it. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. 
I receive your grace to cover my sins. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, church, if you believe that, listen, if you mean it, God means it. But maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yes, I've been saved for a long time, but but I know that there's some things going on in my life right now. I've been trying to fix them on my own. I've been trying to climb the mountain. I've been trying to go through the crevice, but I just need God to pour his grace out and make the path smooth. Let's just take a moment right now. If you have the liberty to, just put your hands out like you're going to receive something. and Just say, Holy Spirit, right now I receive the grace that you're pouring into my life. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, but you're, you're alive so that you can give me the grace, God, that you've called me to have. The life that you've called me to live. God, I need grace for it. And I'm asking you right now to pour it out in my life for every situation, every family problem, every, every issue between a husband and a wife. Grace into that moment. Every issue with a child, every problem with finances or at work, finding work. God, every single situation. Come on, church, confess it. Jesus, I receive your grace right now. We thank you for it, God. Now, come on, church, just give him a minute. Thank him for it. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you that you didn't abandon plan A before you ever said, let there be light. Thank you for the grace that you poured out on me and on this church, on these people. We praise you for it. We thank you for it, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.